Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Gio and Joey podcast. Today, we have that special episode for you on Aleister Crowley. And in light of the Grammys, boy, do we have a doozy. Joey, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Looking forward to getting into our subject. Can you believe it? We're dropping this subject today and the Grammys happened. And what do you think of that Grammy performance? We have a little video clip, but before your overall thoughts on that Grammy performance. I think it, it illustrated just how far our culture has fallen. I don't remember specifically, but I remember yeah. like old reruns of like the I Love Lucy show. And I remember a point Michael Moles brought up is that when she was pregnant on the show, CBS, a major television network, didn't want to allow her to be aired pregnant, but they ultimately did allow it, but they wouldn't allow her to say the word pregnant because they viewed it as too scandalous. And all the couples even like in all those shows had like separate beds. And like now <laughs> we're having like overt satanic sexual rituals as our entertainment on mainstream TV. So it's just like how far we've fallen. That's a good point. I think it sets us up for the clip we're about to watch. This is incredible. They're not even trying to hide it anymore. Let's look at this clip. Sam Smith had an epic night at the 2023 Grammys. The duo hit the stage to deliver a majorly racy performance of their hit song, Unholy. Kim was seen on stage in a cage surrounded by dancers with whips. Sam rocked a bright red top hat with horns while belting out the song for the audience. And the crowd went wild for their performance. <laughs> Sam, thank you. You're a true angel and hero in my life, and I love you. There's something I want to point out in what she said. She said, Sam, you're my angel. Audience, pay attention to that phrase, you're my angel, because when we show you some quotes here from a scholarly paper, you're going to see what she really means by that phrase. Your thoughts on what you saw, Joey? I know you didn't do this intentionally. But those were actually both men. They're both Kim Petras and Sam Smith. What I find particularly disturbing is Kim Petras in 2008 or 2009 was interviewed on a major news thing about his transition. He was one of the first minor gender reassignment surgeries. And now he's a Grammy award-winning artist. I find that that's kind of an interesting perspective to this. And it's another point that Michael Moles came up with on his show today was that generally speaking, these depictions of the demonic, they're not hyper-masculine or hyper-feminine, but they're androgynous. A good point is that God made men and women as men and women. That's how we display the image of God. And so when we see these overt demonic things, there's very much an erasure of sexual difference. I just think that's an interesting component to all this. I just found out today that used to be a man. I didn't even know that. And it's so much how society has gone warped. Everything is overt now. They're not even trying to hide it. But that's not taking me really too much by surprise. Because as we look at this paper now, you're going to realize that this is all part of the plan. It's all part of Aleister Crowley's philosophy. He considered himself a prophet. And look at this paper, and we're actually going to be looking at a scholarly paper 
The reason we're looking at this paper is because this is not some kid who wrote this paper as a blog. This is actually for a state university on a master's level degree. This individual, just look at the title of this paper. It says, In the Shadow of the Beast, The Impact of Aleister Crowley on New Religious Movements and Contemporary Culture. We could wrap up the whole video right here and just show the Sam Smith as proof of Crowley's influence in society. Your thoughts on just the title of this paper? I think, like you said, it's self-evident. And what we're going to flush out is that what we're seeing, like with Sam Smith, I know Beyonce has had like certain demonic flashes and certain music videos. I know Jay-Z has had his do what thou wilt phrase. So there's been other overt signs of this in our culture. But I think in some ways, a lot of Crowley's philosophy has been, for the most part, under the surface. And that's, in a certain way, more concerning to me. And even some of the subtle themes that we'll see in certain kids programming, it's very much that subtle stuff that kind of sets the stage for this more explicit stuff. And in part two of this series, we're going to look at some of those Jay-Z and Beyonce and other artists' examples, and we're going to talk about symbolism and how symbolism plays a role in Christianity, but also how Crowley and his minions use symbolism to portray what they want to do as well. Well, go ahead and read the abstract for the audience and for those who may be listening on podcasts. In the late 19th century Great Britain, there was a revival of interest in magic and occultism that emerged during the Renaissance. Alistair Crowley, who lived from 1875 to 1947, was a product of that revival, one who has had an ironically long afterlife, despite all of the controversy that has surrounded him. Crowley should also be remembered as a significant influence upon the founders of a variety of new religious movements, such as Gerald Gardner and one Ron Hubbard. There was an increased interest in his work and personality that emerged several decades after his death, as evidenced by the use of his image on the cover of a Beatles album, an increase in the sales of his books, and an emerging new status as a countercultural icon. What's interesting about that abstract is that Gerald Gardner is the founder of Wiccan religion, and L. Ron Hubbard is the founder of Scientology. So here are two purported religions that try to be influential in society, and yet they have been heavily influenced by Aleister Crowley. And what's interesting about this paper is that the author, Robert Anthony Jones, is not someone who is against Crowley per se, or someone who is teaching against Crowley like Joey and myself are. If you look at his dedication here, and for those who are listening on the podcast, it says he dedicates this to his goddess, Khalil. He dedicates it to his children, to his parents. And then he says this, and to my band and creative outlet, Mas Bagwai. Now, I looked up who Mas Bagwai is. And look at this, Joey. Look at the title of their first song on this album. The title of this album is U.S. Rock Cult. And the title of the first song is Satan Worshipping Dopehead. It's nuts, people. This guy is overtly a Crowley fan. And he did a paper to try to influence people to be sympathetic towards Crowley. But Satan has always 
symbolize that which is evil in society, and yet he has a abel and a band that gives homage to Satan and to Crowley. I find it interesting that the name of the album, U.S. Rot Cult, that's exactly what we've seen with this stuff, is that the more that this influence pervades our culture, it's, that's what it does. It, it rot, rots. Like You think of kind of the high time of American culture. You think of Samuel Clemens or Mark Twain. And you think of the more Christian influences of the stuff that we used to produce. And it was lifted your spirits versus now, after years of Crowley's influence, we're creating stuff that's like sexualizing children. And it's just the most degraded form of art. It's an apt name for a song to describe this movement. Look at this next quote, which is talking about Crowley's influence. His impact on new religious movements can be seen through the role he played in the work of L. Ron Hubbard, Scientology, Gerald Gardner Wicca, and Eugene Crochet. This guy, Crowley, is influencing people left and right. And as you said earlier, it's very subtle. And yet we're seeing the fruits of it. And when it's subtle, they try to dismiss it as just shock value. As a matter of fact, of the Sam Smith thing, I see many ministers saying, oh, that's just shock value. They're just bringing attention to themselves. Yeah, they may be doing that, but they're also teaching a lesson. What are your thoughts on that notion that it's only shock value? I forget who said it, but, but it was a good quote. And he said, you can only do something ironically for so long before you're just doing the thing. Yeah, you may be ironically worshiping Satan, but at the same time, you're still worshiping Satan and it doesn't stay ironic for long, right? It has an effect and, and it shapes your actions and your beliefs. I Here think sometimes is... what we do from what we believe, but what we do affects what we believe. Habit becomes part of our ingrained beliefs. So yeah, I don't buy that one. Yeah, neither do I. Look at this quote. Crowley had a purpose. He saw himself as this. These qualities, coupled with his apparent genuine conviction of being the prophet of the new age, the aeon of Horus, and a penchant for pushing every experimental and moral boundary, Crowley's cultural and literary presence is perhaps the most pervasive and noteworthy of any figure associated with NRM, new religious movements. And that's why you see it prevalent in all these society issues today. You see them pushing the boundaries. You see them trying to see how much more they can get away with. And we see it in all these Grammy and MTV awards. They're constantly pushing the boundary. This is not the first time they do some satanic ritual on one of these award shows. Look at this top quote, everybody. It says, however, my intent is not to propose justification for some of Crowley's more notorious deeds, real or imagined, but simply to present a fair and balanced assessment of his noble contributions to contemporary Western culture, particularly in the areas of spirituality, sexuality, and occultism. What's dangerous about that is there was a time in this country where occultism was frowned upon, yet now it's celebrated. I think what I find most interesting about that is that this author, he's positing kind of the conspiracy in the open. So in other words, people sometimes when we talk about like this satanic elements in our culture, people say, oh, you're being a conspiracy theorist. No, these are real people 
who were pushing real ideas and those ideas did gain attraction, right? We can see them. So it's not some conspiracy theory. It's like, no, like these are real people and they did have this influence. And when you look at these artists and these people, they'll claim it. They're not hiding the fact that they're influenced by Crowley. They really were. They're open about it. And in part two of this series, we're going to have video evidence of a couple of celebrities actually verbally saying that they're possessed spiritually. They push sexual boundaries. And obviously the occult, like in the Sam Smith at the Grammys, is overt. They're not even trying to hide it, people. The second of part of this quote says this, Crowley has probably had more profound influence on the way that modern magic is imagined, represented, and practiced than any other single 20th century figure. So look at this next quote, everybody. He says, do what thou wilt, and every man and woman is a star. By the turn of the century, Crowley was unavowedly bisexual. We see that in society today. He used psychotropic drugs. Is there any wonder why people are pushing drugs and why legalizing of drugs is even more common today? And explored these Eastern religions like Hinduism, yoga, Buddhism, Taoism, traveled to India and China in the first decade of the 20th century looking for these religions. When considering the 1960s revival of interest in Crowley's life and legend, his renewed status as a countercultural icon should come as no surprise. It's incredible. Everything he pushed is being now overtly lived out in society today. What I find particularly interesting is that first part, where do what thou wilt, which obviously is common. That's like the motto of our society. And the every man and woman is a star. I think there's a Christian element to that in the sense that Christianity has its version of that in that every single human being is made in the image of God. But what we mean when we say that is something totally different. In other words, we're all made in the image of God, but we're fallen. And so we need to restore ourselves back into that image through a right relationship with him. But for Crowley, it's every man and woman is in a star and is good just as they are. You don't need anything else. Just do what you will. And so I think that's just an interesting parallel to Christianity. What is Christianity famous for in the sense of Christ in Gethsemane, right? He said, not my will be done, but God's will be done. And Crowley is just the opposite. He wants everybody to do whatever they want to do, no matter if it is detrimental. And this point about bisexuality, about using drugs, in fact, Crowley talks about that the quickest way to talk to spiritual forces is through sex that isn't traditional sex under the auspice of heavily induced drugs. And the elite are into this kind of stuff. One of the quotes here talks about how the elite are into this kind of behavior. It says, spiritualism, communication with the dead and other spiritual entities through seances, had become popular in England and France, and as previously noted, an occult revival was underway in England. And I wrote here in the notes, right around the Second Great Awakening, tell the audience what that is and why that would seem to be important. The Second Great Awakening was a religious revival, I think a very good thing, that happened in the United States where people began re-examining the scriptures, particularly around the coming of Jesus, and they started studying the Bible. And so what I find is interesting that Crowley and that this movement started around that time is that 
For every good thing that God does, the devil has his counterfeit. I find that as people are starting to study the word more, and that's happening at the same time, there's this other kind of sick version of that. Yep. And the attack is always against Christianity. You notice he blended all these other religions to push his idea. But look at this quote. It says, the prospect of adopting exotic religious practices became appealing to those wishing to escape the clutches of Christian moral conservatism. And that's because Christianity is truly the only true religion. And Christianity, it's the only worldview that explains all of society and what's going on. And yet everything we see, like that Sam Smith video, is all going against the teachings of morality that are found in Scripture and that could be defended for the most part without even having to appeal to Scripture. But they're pushing the boundaries because that is exactly what Crowley wanted them to do. And one point I wanted to make that something you said, it reminded me of a news story I had seen about this link between sexual practices and this occultism and Crowleyism, and particularly related to the elites. For those that don't know, I think most of our audience is probably familiar with the WEF, the World Economic Forum. And every year, it's a gathering of world leaders in Davos, Switzerland, where they discuss their plans for how we can combat things like climate change and political instability and all these different things. But one thing that I found is interesting about it, and this is an article I just looked up, but it's from the Daily Mail out of UK, and it says, prostitutes, the headline says, prostitutes gather in Davos for annual meeting of global elite, where demand for sexual services rockets during economic summit. It says, prostitutes report a surge in business during the annual gathering of leaders. These are world leaders. These are presidents and prime ministers, Congress people, people from all over the world, parliamentary leaders. It says, escorts are booked into delicate hotels alongside business executives. Sex workers dress in business attire by the way, sex work is slavery is what it is. I don't care how much mm -hmm. you pay slavery and rub shoulders with global elite. I read somewhere that it's something like these elites are paying something like $2,500 a night. And so I just find that interesting that in this conversation of Crowleyism, one of his big things, part of it was this deviant sexual behavior. And we're seeing that among like very famous world leaders. We'll get to a quote that mentions that this type of behavior, this Crowleyism is very prevalent among the elite. Here's another quote. It said, it should also be noted that Crowley identified Awis with Satan and with Horus, who is considered the ancient Egyptian equivalent to the Christian devil. And I want to point that out because Horus, in part two of this series, we're going to see that Horus and his imagery is prevalent in music industry. And they are not afraid to parade him around, I guess is the word. And it's the equivalent to the Christian devil. There was a time in this society, in our culture, where the devil was considered a bad thing. And yet, based on the Grammy, he was actually honored. And the title of the song was called Unholy. So I think as we examine this pendulum swing, we need to acknowledge that wrong conceptions of God can lead people to react against that wrong conception of God. And as we combat this stuff, as we combat Crowleyism and overt Satanism, we should put forward the true picture of God as laid out in scripture as a God of love. And yes, we don't soften sin, but there's the gospel, there's Christ. And so 
that can't be separated out. And when we actually show that picture, Christ said, when I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And so I think a lot of this stuff, if we look at the pain that kind of pushed people, we can bring people back through love and through the gospel. Yep. And I agree with you. We're not trying to be a Bible-thumping podcast, but we have to establish certain things. These shock value things that we see in the Grammys, and this is not the first time, it's shocking because there is a standard, and they're deviating from the standard, where Satan, even if you didn't believe in him, it was always symbolic of something bad and something that you did not want society to have. You remember in the cartoons, Tom and Jerry, you would have the good angel and the bad angel. And the bad one always tempting you to do bad things. Well, now the bad angel is being embraced. The bad in society is being embraced. And we need to get back to where the good in society. Look, humans aren't perfect. Religious people have made mistakes. But the closer we get back to truth, pursuing truth, the better it'll be for society. Otherwise, we're going to keep going down this path. Here's that quote I've been talking about. So here's the author of this paper, and he says this, Crowley drew quite a following from the British upper classes, as did most other esoteric orders. Pursuit of the occult seemed to be a preoccupation that appealed mostly to a segment of the elite. So think about that. What is one news cycle that we haven't gotten more information on? Think about it for a second. What disappeared that should have been a scandal and we have never heard anything about it that deals with this kind of sexual deviant behavior. Yeah, so one news story that I think of is recently, a couple of weeks ago, our audience might remember, there was a story about a couple, a gay couple that adopted a child. And I don't even want to go into the specifics of some of the things that happened. It was just awful. But basically, the couple was sexually abusing this child. But even more than that, they were basically pimping this child over a course of a couple of years out to various people who did horrendous crimes against this kid. And because of the political nature of the kind of gay marriage adoption thing, it wasn't really talked about very much. So that's one story that kind of comes to mind along these lines. That is a horrific story. That didn't really get much airtime, and it should have. People can say that's an isolated story, that it happened just that, and we shouldn't impugn on anybody else because of an isolated story. There's another story that's been washed under the rugs. Epstein and the elite. What happened? He totally killed himself. <laughs> yeah, nobody believes that, not even Hillary Clinton. But, but the thing is, what about the Epstein? So what we just saw, that this kind of occult, appeals to the elite. Epstein, we know, was trafficking children in some island. We know that there are people high up who were on the Lolita Express. In fact, there was a comedian who kind of ripped into Hollywood about flying on Epstein's plane. Epstein gets convicted. He gets put in jail. All of a sudden, the cameras don't work. All of a sudden, the guards fell asleep. He ends up, quote unquote, killing himself. Yet the list of everybody on that plane has conveniently disappeared. There's something, and we have seen enough of drops of hints in the news that the elite are caught up in this kind of deviant behavior. You had mentioned to me in a text about, what's that clothing company? Balenciaga. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Balenciaga, they've been a very fancy high-end clothing and luxury designer 
clothing outfit for some time. They've had a lot of famous uh, spokespeople, but specifically Kim Kardashian and Kanye West, who's obviously got a lot of controversy himself right now. And what was this a couple of months ago now, a couple of news cycles ago, they got caught up in, they had a photo shoot that went out and it had children, it depicted children with teddy bears, like in BDSM, like sexual kink wear. And it was like explicitly sexual and it had children in it. And then so obviously people rightly reacted to that. And then Balenciaga apologized and said, oh, this should never have happened. I don't think multi-million dollar companies accidentally put out photo shoots. I don't think that's a thing that generally happened. So it was just very interesting. Listen to this quote. Remember what I had mentioned in the beginning with the Sam Smith video that the other artists said that Sam was her angel. Listen to what Crowley talks about in this quote. It says, while employing severe meditational practices, along with very liberal use of drugs and sex, several visitors came for instruction in Thalamic philosophy to participate in rituals designed to bring them in communion with their holy guardian angels. And this is a theme in Crowley. Every person who is deep into this occult has this angel that guides them in their path. And Sam Smith was alluded to be her angel. Things that make you go home. But this is common. And if you look at the music industry, there are many songs that talk about angels. And here's a hint that Crowley talks about that every person has this angel. Now, there's something we believe in as well in Christianity, that we all have a guardian angel. However, this is the angel from the other side. I do want to make one comment. Sometimes I think while we talk about these explicit displays with a certain class of our, our elite in Hollywood and politics and stuff, I think we need to be careful too, though. A lot of this influence is not so there are explicit people, and we're going to explore that, who say we're disciples of Crowley. But a lot of this influence is absolved culturally. So it's like these influencers are influencing people, but not necessarily explicitly, right? And so I think sometimes people can look at, say, like, you know, everyone in Congress, they're just awful and they're just whatever, mm -hmm. they're bad. Every world leader, they're just bad and they're just awful people. And it's this satanic conspiracy. I think in most cases, it's not that. And I don't think we should have necessarily a completely cynical outlook towards our leaders. We just need to be acknowledged that these themes exist and that there have been these efforts. And so when we see this sexualization, we know what's behind it and where these ideas come from. But it's not necessarily like an explicit conspiracy, I think, in most cases. Yeah, I think it's about influence. Influence is subtle. A lot of people are under this influence. Some of them are overt. And we'll see that in part two. But for the most part, it is subtle. But people like Sam Smith, that is just blatant. His little dance routine there and the title of his song. But many of them who follow him or many of them who are his fans, they don't see the subtleness of their influence. This next middle quote, it says this, his image at the urging of John Lennon, speaking of Crowley, was used on the cover of the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper Lonely Hearts Club Band album. This seemed to serve as a catalyst that contributed to Crowley's post-humorous post designation as a counter 
cultural icon. So in the 60s, when Crowley is being revived, all these artists are diving into. Now, look, we address atheists, but for the most part, the majority of people believe in the spiritual world. They may not believe Christianity the way we believe it. They may not be conservative as we are, but they believe in the spiritual world. And all these artists are tapping into something Crowley is teaching because they find that there is something real behind it. And Joey and I are not denying that. There is something real behind it, but it's dangerous, it's satanic, and it's going to lead to ultimate harm to everybody who's influenced under that. Let's keep going here. After this 1904 experience with the supernatural entity Alvis, Crowley believed himself to be the prophet of the coming age of Horus. And once again, he puts this in religious terms. Here's this writer of this paper using that Crowley was a prophet. Well, a prophet is there to influence people, and boy, has he influenced people. In 1970, Jimmy Page, the songwriter, guitarist of Led Zeppelin, second only to the Beatles in terms of total record sales, amassed the largest collection of Crowley memorabilia and Austin Osmond spark artwork in the world. Do what thou wilt, rest into his vinyl record. So let me ask you the question, why would you put that in your vinyl record when you know that this guy was an avowed Satanist? It appeals to our carnal heart, right? And this is something that I'm going to say that I think has affected a certain strain of American politics on both the right and the left. And again, I love liberty and I love freedom. And I think that's what this country was founded on. We like that. In recent years, that's all we want. We don't want to talk about our duty. We don't want to talk about responsibility because that means that there's a higher moral order that we should be accountable to with our liberty. Like, what do we do with it? And so I think Crowley's phrase, like even if somebody doesn't know anything about Crowley, his history, they're not a Crowleyite, but that phrase is appealing to the carnal human heart. Because it's like, hey, do what thou wilt, right? That's your life philosophy. And I think that's why it's been so resonant in our culture. A couple of more quotes to wrap up the scholarly episode. It says, Crowley was the founder of religion known as Thelema, which still has a following, but his presence is largely felt through the world of contemporary witchcraft. That alone should scare everybody. Because we believe, the majority of people believe that spirituality is a real thing, that there is good and evil. And his teachings are influential in witchcraft, which has become more and more readily acceptable in society today. The fact was perhaps intentionally downplayed by some of the foundational figures of modern witchcraft so that Crowley's reputation would not become a stumbling block in the pathward towards mainstream acceptance. Imagine this, Christians trying to hide who Jesus is, yet still claim Christianity. If Crowley was a good person, then why is witchcraft trying to hide who their biggest influence is? It doesn't make any sense. I'm going to go to the words of Jesus. It says, those who do right, do not need to fear the light. It's evildoers that mm. fear the light. When we make political cases for things that we think should be done, we don't appeal directly to scripture, obviously. And we've laid that out in other episodes. But we're also, we're not going to hide the fact that we have Christian values because I think those values are good. I think 
the idea that there's worth in human being is a good thing. I think that we can be explicit about where our values come from because there's nothing to be ashamed of there. I, th I believe the more exposure Christianity gets, like true Christianity, the better, the more attractive it's going to be. So I want there to be light on it. I don't want there to be any secrets there. But when you're dealing with darkness, when you're dealing with the works of iniquity and darker elements, especially when you think of these sexual kind of deviancy, and I think this kind of goes back to Romans chapter one, which we talked about in our natural law episode, where God has given us all a conscience and we know that these things are wrong. And so that's why if you want to change culture in this way, you have to do it secretly and dishonestly. Here's another quote. It says, Crowley, if anything, was one of the foremost figures of the 20th century who led the charge towards some of the social, religious, and sexual freedoms that we enjoy in the 21st century. The suggestion that it is deserving of more attention in the area of contemporary religious history and culture. In other words, this paper is advocating that Crowley should get more respect and more acknowledgement. But look at what he led. The paper said he led to the push of more social, religious, and sexual freedoms. Well, freedoms without responsibilities, as we have mentioned, is not always good. You can take freedom to excess. And we see society today from the 60s till now how the moral decay of the country has taken place. I agree with everything you're saying. I think that's where it's important for us to give people a contrast. So it's one thing to talk about the darkness, but we have a better story. There is a better way. Certainly our culture has had better times. I believe, and I know we both would agree that this country was in many ways founded on Christian principles, not in the way that certain modern Christian nationalists want to say in a authoritarian way, but its conception of liberty, the good kind with responsibility, this was an outgrowth of Protestant Christianity. I think when we're looking at these negative aspects like Crowley and magic and the occult that's affecting our society, I think it's good to acknowledge that there's a good side, right? There, there is something, there's a good alternative to these things. Yep, there's an ideal to reach. And regardless, there are many atheists on record saying that the notion that we're all created equal comes from Christianity. And this day and age, society is pushing us away from Christian values. Let's close with this last quote that you sent me that had a profound way to end this first episode. Yeah, this quote is from a theologian by the name of Elvin Plantinga. And he says, the existence of God is neither precluded nor rendered improbable by the existence of evil. Of course, suffering and misfortune may nonetheless constitute a problem for the theist, but the problem is not that his beliefs are logically or probabilistically incompatible. The theist may find a religious problem in evil. In the presence of his own suffering or that of someone near to him, he may find it difficult to maintain what he takes to be the proper attitude towards God. Faced with great personal suffering and misfortune, he may be tempted to rebel against God, to shake his fist in God's face, or to even give up belief in God altogether. But this is a problem of a different dimension. Such a problem calls not for the philosophical enlightenment, but for pastoral care. The free will defense, however, shows that the existence of God 
is compatible both logically and probabilistically with the existence of evil. Thus, it solves the main philosophical problem of evil. And that's from Elvin Plantinka's book, God, Freedom, and Evil. And the reason why in this discussion of Crowley, that quote stuck out at me is because in Crowley's doctrine of do what thou wilt and this hedonistic freedom, we see an inversion of God's belief in free will. God created a universe where human beings do have free will. We have the right as people, we can choose to worship God or we can choose the other side, which is ultimately worshiping Satan. There's not a middle ground there, but God gives us that freedom. And so I think it's kind of inverse to Crowley's do what thou wilt, right? Crowley takes for free will and he says, just do what you want, live for you. I think of another philosopher, the Marquis de Sade, on the sexual front, took this to their ultimate conclusion and said, you should just do whatever brings you sexual fulfillment. But on God's side, I love this quote because God does give us that freedom. God is not the authoritarian in chief. God's yeah. purpose is love. That's who he is. And love requires freedom. I forget where I heard it, but I love the quote. It's like, we've got a dirty word for forced love in our society, and it's rape. God's not a cosmic rapist. God is a lover. God wants our freely chosen decision to follow him. And so as we're thinking about Crowley, a good way to wrap up is remember that like God's never going to force you to worship him. You shouldn't try to force other people to worship him because that wouldn't be worship anyway. So just present that picture of Christ and him crucified. And I think that's an attractive picture. I think that's an attractive alternative to uh, Crowleyism. As we wrap up this episode, you can see from this paper, and we'll put a link in the YouTube channel, and we will put a link in the show notes for this paper, you could read it yourself. It was about 66 pages. And the guy was sympathetic towards Crowley, but he shows that Crowley has influenced all of society. And in part two, we're going to see real world examples of what that is like. And the appeal from us is that that stuff is dangerous. Crowley is dangerous, ultimately to your own happiness and ultimately to the happiness of society. It goes totally contrary to truth. And what we want is truth. The atheist should want to pursue truth. The religious person should want to pursue truth. And the Christian obviously wants to pursue truth. Truth is what matters. And ultimately, that truth is found in the teachings and person of Jesus Christ. Stay tuned for episode two, which will be dropping next Friday.